millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. I had an encounter with something, but I'm currently unsure as to what. I was told to contact you. Due to personal factors, I moved in with some family to a rural area of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. My aunt's house where I'm at sits on one of several hills with a meadow below it. She also owns several acres of woods with a creek running through them and so on. It's a very desolate place. One morning in September 2023... I woke up around 5 a.m. to some twig snapping. I went outside and walked downhill to the meadow, and by some holly bushes that border the woods, I saw a large figure looking ahead. I called out at first assuming it was a person, as on occasion we will get hunters, but these are neighbors who give proper identification and basically let us know when they'll be around. Instead of responding, the figure walked away. It seemed to almost shrink into the woods. It was a large figure, easily six feet minimum. I didn't get the greatest look at it as it was dark and somewhat far away, but I saw heavy shaggy fur or hair, looked like quills. I want to say multiple layers of it, set back face, noticed large eyebrows and a nose. The head sunk into the torso. It was a mix of brown and gray fur or hair colors. I returned to the spot in a few hours and stepped over behind the bushes. All the hollyberries from the plants were gone. They were there a few days prior. They were also indents in the ground, maybe footprints. They were sticks snapped off of the trees and thrown across the ground. I was certainly unsettled, so I looked into it further and thought I'd concluded that this may have been some sort of ape or apeman, Bigfoot. I'm not a hunter doing drugs. Nothing like that. It was ape. Like, do you have any thoughts? Living back in the middle of the woods, I've had numerous campouts basically involving typical campout tropes. 
but with the accessibility of plumbing and electricity not too far away. During one of these campouts, a group of friends and I played what we called manhunt, which is basically hide-and-seek in the moonlit woods, while only the hunter has a flashlight. We always played these kinds of games. One time, while hiding out fairly far from the house, me and the people I was hiding with saw a flashlight and heard leaves rustling behind us. Opposite direction of the house where we knew the hunter was, and we all just booked it back towards the house, screaming. I don't think it was anyone with malicious intent, but I was really young at the time, and it scared the shit out of me, but I'd believe the poor guy was probably just as scared from a bunch of children suddenly jumping up and screaming. This didn't stop us from continuing to play this game, so I guess it wasn't that scary, but as a child, I remember it being a lot scarier. Sledge Camp was a fun year and activity for the students of Dow, a guy at school system. The students would get a break from traditional classes to partake in a more outdoor environment. Parents and students alike enjoyed the Fitch Camp experience, as it was a fun way for the kids to participate together. Situated amongst the unique southwest Michigan geography of the Sister Lakes, the children were able to engage in a serene environment. After some outdoor races, a group of kids went to the makeshift archery range. After the exercise, the students were supposed to go directly to the diner at the mess hall. However, Two of the girls, Denise McCormack and Janine Fisher, went to retrieve an arrow which had gone astray. Approximately one half hour later, Denise and Janine showed up late to dinner and sat with their friends, Rhonda Burdick and Stacy Ashley. It was during that dinner that Denise and Janine confessed to their friends that, while looking for the arrow, they saw a huge, stinky, hairy man staring at them. They told their friends that it was really big and just stared at them so they ran. The story quickly spread, and by the time they went to bed that night, everybody was laughing at them. That changed when the cabin in which these same girls were staying was suddenly attacked. Stacy Ashley stated that something began smashing the side of the cabin. I thought it was going to smash the wall in, she added. We were all screaming, and Janine was thrown onto a bed. The camp counselor was not present and was later thought to be the one smashing the side of the cabin, attempting to frame the girls. However, the next morning, after washing away what she thought were fake footprints from the mud leading up to the side of the cabin, Susan Howell remarked that she was shocked to notice the side of the cabin had scratches along the foundation. She immediately wished she had not washed away the footprints. She took Polaroid pictures of the cabin, but was told by another camp director that they did not prove anything. However, some 50 years later, all the girls involved in the incident still stand by the sighting and the attack. My girlfriend and I were driving down a remote country road in the early summertime, late one evening. She was the one driving. I was in the passing, gear seat. The sun was setting behind us. We had just come around a curve when two just jumped out onto the road in front of us. They acted like we weren't even there. They seemed to be focused on something else. So she jammed on the brakes and brought the car to a stop. I told her, man, that was close. That's when I looked up into the rear view mirror to see if any more deer were coming. When I did that in the red glow of the car's taillights, I saw something take a big step into the road from the brush that was on the side of the road. Whatever it was landed on its right leg when it did that. Looking at it in the rearview mirror, I could see it from its mid-thigh up to its stomach. In one motion, it then took another step forward and put what looked to be a hand down on the trunk of the car to apparently balance itself. When I saw that, I turned to look at my girlfriend. She was wide-eyed, her mouth was wide open, and she was white as a ghost. I could also see that her eyes were tearing up, so I looked back. But by that time, it had already gone across the road. In an attempt to get a better look at this thing, I opened my door and got out of the car. When I looked, I could see that it was going down the embankment that was on the side of the road. Because of the brush, I could only see it from the armpits up. 
It was at least seven feet tall and had very wide shoulders. Its shoulders were at least one time as wide as my show. Dares and I've got wide show. Dares for a guy. From the last bit of daylight left, I could see that it was blacker dark brown in color and head point. It ears on top of its head like a dog. Its ears weren't overly wide or fuzzy. Its head was kind of dome, shaped more or less with flat sides. It acted like we weren't even there and seemed to remain focused on the deer. I was thinking, what in the world is this thing? It looked like some kind of werewolf or wolfman to me. It was way too big to be a person. Through that whole ordeal, I never did get a chance to see its face. In the area where we saw that thing, people have reported being paced in their vehicles, going down the road by creatures that looked like what we saw. In Colorado, there is a monument, which is called Rock Park, and the whole town, Castle Rock, is named after it. It is basically a big hill with a huge boulder sitting on top. The rock itself is probably 50 feet tall at its peak, and there are signs all over telling people not to climb on it. Me, my sister, and two of my sister's friends were climbing it at about 11 at night last summer. We got to the top, and there was a guy sitting by a rock on speaker with what we thought was a friend. He also had what looked like a dog sitting on top of the rock, but as we got closer, it was actually a person slumped over the rock in their checkered belt. It made it look like it was a collar, giving us the impression of a dog. As we got closer, we realized the man was on the phone with 911, and the dispatcher was saying stuff like, what does their breathing sound like? Seeing as it was around 11 at this point, we were the only other ones up there with them. We wait around and get a good look at what happened and lend some supplies like a flashlight and some water. From what we could piece together, the girl was on a first date with this guy and tried to climb the rock. She got about her 30, five feet up when she fell and hit two or three times on the way down. Her head was caked in blood, and so was the dirt all around her. We waited for over an hour for EMS to get to her, and they had to take her down in a stretcher and to a helicopter that landed in a school field to airlift her to the hospital. Last we heard, she had many broken bones, lots of shattered ribs, and a really bad concussion, but she lived. That night really shook me for a while because I honestly thought she was going to die. A few years ago, a group of my friends were jogging alone this forest, and halfway through the trail, we came across this kid who was about 16 years old and was completely off the trail and was soaking wet in it like 11 p.m. at night. So you know we asked him if he was okay and if he was hurt, and he said that he and his friends were on a bike ride, and then they decided to smoke so shrooms. So then, when they were heading back after about one half of being high, they decided to head home, and it was getting pretty dark. So then these kids saw my group's headlights and thought that it was park security, so they just started running, and while running, they got separated. And the kid we found had given up because he fell into a river while running and almost drowned. But anyway, we got him back to the front of the park, and he said he would be fine, so we just left and continued on with our night. I'm reporting a possible dogman sighting based on the information provided by my son and his friend. This incident took place in Montgomery, Massachusetts. As a four-wheel enthusiast, my older son has become familiar with the off-roading trails and rural routes he and his friends regularly use, often venturing out at night. On this particular occasion, they were in his Ford Explorer, following a familiar route in a rural town through a remote wooded area. Since it was winter, the plows had ceased maintenance at a certain point, creating a snowbank that marked the town's abandoned maintenance of the unpaved road for the season. Further use of this road was left to those who dared to venture. 
As my son recounted, he navigated through the snowbank and drove along the winding mountain road. He was concentrating on his driving, keeping his focus on the road, while his close friend sat in the front passenger seat. Suddenly, his friend exclaimed, Look, what is that? My son didn't take his eyes off the road because he wanted to stay on course, but his friend pointed to where the strange figure had gone. My son quickly swung his truck around and illuminated the area with his off-road lights and headlights. His friend described the creature as running like a wolf, but not exactly a wolf. He said it was large, similar to a bear, but not a bear. The creature had long hair and was lighter in color than a brown bear, more of a grayish hue. They both sat there for a minute, staring into the darkness. Then suddenly something pushed the SUV from behind, causing it to slide along the muddy, snowy road for a short distance. Startled, they both whipped their heads around, only to see the blackness of the night through the rear window. My son quickly started the truck and sped away from the area, not catching another glimpse of the mysterious creature. My son insisted that it couldn't have been the same creature his friend had spotted because once he had illuminated the area with the truck's lights, they should have seen movement against the white snow. Another one of my friends insisted that this was a Bigfoot, as he had encountered one eight years ago. However, the description of the creature seems to better match that of a dogman. This experience, whatever it was, is absolutely true. This story is actually my dad's. Every other summer, he and a few of his friends go over to Maine to do some bass fishing. The encounter happened at around 2 to 3 in the morning. My dad got out of his tent because he had to take a pee. As he was relieving himself, he heard a snap about 25 feet away. He looked up and saw nothing. To make sure it wasn't a predator, he shone his flashlight in the general direction. The woods were really thick, so he didn't see much except for a pair of eyes. He couldn't really tell how high up off the ground they were. Being the person he is, he walked towards it, and as he did, whatever the thing was ran away. My dad got a better look at it. He says that it was around eight feet tall and smelled pretty bad, like trash. He told his friends the next day, but they decided to stay the rest of the week because my dad didn't feel that the Bigfoot wanted to hurt them, but was just more curious. He came home and told me, and now... A few years later, I'm sharing this with you. I really hope that one day I could see what he saw, so I can fully believe that this world is actually a strange one. I live near Warren, one of those cities where downtown is the only park with actual businesses, and the rest is a gridlock system of cheap homes. One night I was helping a friend of mine and a group of people install new chairs into our local movie theater since we all know the owner and because of this we were out pretty late. We got out of the chair installation activity at around 2 in the morning and drove to McDonald's where when we walked in we saw all the staff in back room having an actual straight up orgy. This isn't remotely important to the story but I thought it was pretty funny. So there you go. Obviously, we did not get our McDonald's, so we all parted ways and went driving to our respective homes. As I was driving through one of the grids of houses, I stopped at one of the stop signs and looked down the dark road to my left and then my right. Each intersection in the grid has a single yellow-orange light perched above it and below the one at the far intersection I saw a young child who I can only assume was around 13 with some other girl who looked pretty close to them holding their hand. She looked about 20. I didn't really think anything of this because although it was late, my sister and I have a close relationship and late night walks in the dark aren't really uncommon in my family. My family is directly descended from the Hungarian gypsies, so sleep is essentially optional and we're always ready for an adventure. I drove on past the sign and stopped at the next one. It was late, and I was just taking my time getting home. I checked left and then right, but lingered a bit on the right path. It was a little hard to see at first, but upon a bit of inspection, I could see what looked like the same two people, but slightly closer to me, out of the light of the street lamp. 
Okay, that's kind of bizarre, but it's probably just a coincidence. I know some people who like walks, and the weather is pretty clear tonight. Must just be two different groups of people enjoying the nice night. I edged forward and gently careened to the next stop sign. I was a little on edge because the odds of a coincidence like that were pretty low around where I lived, so I checked my right flank first. There they were, the same two people, just slightly closer than when I had last seen them. I'm a huge fan of horror, horror movies, horror games, horror books, even the underappreciated genre of horror music. Because of this, I didn't even bother looking left. I just floored it. I sped aggressively to the next stop sign, and since it was so late and I didn't have to worry about traffic, I kept my eyes trained to my right side to see if they would move closer yet again. I pushed the car down the straight and narrow asphalt pathway at a hearty sixty-something, quite a fast pace for a twenty-five miles per hour zone. As I approached the next intersection, I saw sure enough that the two had moved closer yet again. There were two more intersections in this grid before I got to a main road, so I just pushed my car for all it was worth, which isn't much considering it was a slowly dissolving Jeep Cherokee from 1995. Those final two intersections yielded similar results in the advancing girls' department, and once I reached the main road, I turned down and settled to an acceptable speed. Since that encounter, I've seen nothing of these girls, but this paired with some other shit I've been through during my life is the reason I will unequivocally advocate for the existence of ghosts in one capacity or another. I had worked for the National Motors Auto Specialties for well over 20 years before I retired in 1963. As time passed, I found myself spending more and more of my days in the woods, around my house off Griffith's Road in Casa Paolo's. It was no surprise to my neighbors when they spotted me walking through the woods with my green backpack on in the Newton Woods. However, what came as a shock to everyone was when I stopped the Smith family from walking toward the Dow or Gaia Creek. I insisted that they needed to call the sheriff. They did as I suggested. And soon enough, deputies arrived to investigate the reported discovery of a body. After examining the scene, they determined it was the remains of multiple deer carcasses. But I maintained that I had stumbled upon something far more extraordinary. I told the police and the gathering witnesses that I had encountered a large red-haired animal that weighed as much as a truck emerging from the pile of carrion. The creature had barked at me before entering the creek and heading west. Helen Smith, who spoke with me, believed my account, saying, You cannot fake that kind of reaction. Elmer was a tough guy, but when he came up the path, he was shaking and sweating. The deputies on the scene reportedly informed the witnesses that the deer carcasses would be removed and the woods would be open for exploration. Nevertheless, the family that had been speaking with me chose to leave. Something that happened like five years ago, but I still think about all the time. It was my first apartment, which was very sparsely furnished. I was just starting out and had hardly any possessions. My bathroom was very clean and was only a toilet, a standing sink, and a shower or tub with no decorations or any extra stuff. One day in the shower, I dropped my bar of soap, bent down to pick it up, and it was not there. I felt around the tub with me feet for it then finally turned off the water and got down on my hands and knees searching for it. After a long time, I finally gave up and figured it must be outside of the shower. It wasn't. I even had my boyfriend see if he could find it the next time he came over. He agreed it was definitely not in that bathroom. This sounds super unsensational and mundane, but think about how weird that is. We both agreed it was creepy, but accepted that it just disappeared somehow. I thought about it often and told a story to co-workers and friends who just shrugged. Anyway, about six months later, when I had started to forget about it, the bar of soap was in the shower in its little spot that I always kept it. 
By that time, I had stopped using bars and was using body wash instead, so the sight of this thing scared the shit out of me. Honestly, what's going on with this? So for years, I have only told this story to a couple of my close family members, purely due to the out-of-this-world experience and encounter that has happened to me in my younger years. So years ago, a friend of mine and me went out to a forest in England, right next to a WIWA base or atomic weapons establishment base. There is a local park with lakes and some trees around the area, very peaceful and scenic during the time. So we decided to go there to get of our trolley, and before you guys start saying, you was just higher off your head, hence, why you saw what you saw in my previous life before I have changed my ways. This is what I used to do on daily basis, and the tolerance was sky high, and I have never experienced anything that was even close to this encounter. So the night began with staying in a car playing loud music, later following up with going out into the forest in the night to look for an adventure as such. The moon at the time was the biggest blood moon I've ever seen in the United Kingdom. It must have been times ten bigger and brighter than I have ever seen in my life. The color of the moon was a dark orange tint. I will try and see if my friend still has a picture of this moon on his phone. So after my friend started to take pictures of the moon and I take the entire experience, I started to hear ducks down in the lake being disturbed by something, possibly a predator. Hunting them or something else, following up with water disturbance, sounds being extremely loud. Now being in the United Kingdom, there are no freshwater predators that would possibly hunt the ducks during the night, apart from foxes, who in all honesty don't like a swim. So following up on this weird sounds and disturbances, I decided to go and investigate the sounds. My friends had passed on the offer to go and investigate as the sounds their way to strange for him. I decided to go in alone into the woods and following an animal trail to the lake. While going into the woods, I must have took around 20 steps and started seeing strange lights far away. It reminded me of extremely dim lights of night vision. You can barely see them, but they seemed out of place in slight blue light, seeming quiet, far away, but yet very close. So my initial thought was that this forest is guarded by soldiers, and we are being tracked. Following up from this, I tried to get closer to the lights to confirm my theory about soldiers stalking us, as this is highly guarded facility nearby. The closer I got, the further the lights got away, without any sound being made, while the ducks at the lake were still going wild, and I now can hear the sound of the water disturbance even louder. At this point, I started to alarm myself, as what I have heard cannot be natural, and I started to doubt my intention of exploring the area, and at this time I saw something move the branches in front of me while getting closer. I tried to focus on what was moving the branches, but could not locate the source of movement. It being a person, an animal, or something else, but it started to get closer and closer when it was around 10 a.m. away from me, I have started to begin to see a shape appear from the branches. It was a humanoid figure which was completely see-through, and the body was resembling a night sky of such. So a see-through body with some distant star-like lights all around its body. This has completely threw me off balance at what I was seeing. When there was around five meters left between us, this being is moving his arm towards me, as it was to be a gesture for a handshake. At that point in time, I have completely freaked out and run for my life. Back to the tree opening where my friend was stood photographing the blood moon. After making it to him, I have described everything that I have encountered and asked him to come with me back in there to verify what I have saw. I saw some fear in my friends. I was at this time with a full denial response about going into the place. We have stayed in the forest, exploring it away from the place where we have heard all of this noises for many more hours, with a feeling that we are constantly being followed and watched. To this day, I have never returned to the area with a great passion to actually find out what the hell has happened to me that time.
It was a typical day in my Alaskan research lab when the unexpected happened. I was engrossed in my work, examining data on climate change's impact on local wildlife when the door swung open. Startled, I looked up to find myself face-to-face with a team of special forces, their uniforms marked with the unmistakable insignia of the Navy SEALs. I couldn't help but crack a skeptical smile. Can I help you gentlemen with something? I asked, thinking it was a joke or some strange government experiment. The leader of the team, a weathered and stoic figure, met my gaze dead on. Dr. Parker, have you ever heard of a creature known as the Yeti or Bigfoot? I burst into laughter, thinking they were playing a prank on me. Bigfoot? Seriously? Are you guys here to investigate an urban legend? But their expressions remained unyielding, serious. We're not here to joke around, Dr. Parker. The government sent us here to find a creature, something similar to a yeti, that's been spotted roaming the Alaskan wilderness. We need your expertise. I shrugged, not taking it seriously. I've been studying Alaskan wildlife for years, and I've never seen any evidence of such a creature. It's just folklore, myths, and exaggeration. The team didn't argue further. They nodded, leaving my lab to embark on their quest. My curiosity got the best of me, and I couldn't resist trailing them from a distance as they ventured into the harsh Alaskan wilderness. It was during one frigid evening as I watched them from behind the cover of snow-laden pines that I witnessed something inexplicable. The forest grew eerily silent and a shiver ran down my spine. The seals moved with a grace that defied their bulk, and then there it was, emerging from the shadows. The creature was immense, towering at least eight feet tall. Its fur was a mottled blend of white and gray matted and thick, clearly built to withstand the brutal Alaskan winters. Its eyes were hauntingly human, filled with a mix of curiosity and fear as it confronted the intruders in its territory. The beast's face was a blend of human and ape-like features, a fusion of the known and the unknown. Muscles rippled beneath its fur as it let out a guttural roar, echoing through the forest. This was no ordinary animal. It was something inexplicable, something beyond science and understanding. The Yeti, the Bigfoot, or whatever you wanted to call it, was very real. As the special forces engaged in a tense standoff with the creature, I couldn't help but marvel at the unexplainable phenomenon that had unfolded before my eyes. Yet my awe was short-lived as I began to feel that some of the special forces had noticed my presence, my intrusion. With a heart pounding like a drum, I retreated into the safety of my lab, locked the door and watched from the window as the confrontation outside intensified. The creature ultimately retreated into the dense wilderness, but the seals were determined to continue their hunt. I can't explain the events of that day, but I swear by the truth of what I saw. There, in the depths of the Alaskan wilderness, a cryptid, a being that defied scientific understanding, had become a reality. Whether it was a Yitai, a Bigfoot, or something else entirely, it was an experience that forever changed my perspective on the mysteries of the natural world and the secrets it still holds. I am an avid hunter. My name is Bo, and I have hunted and fished all my life. I joined the Army straight out of high school, and now I work six days a week. But enough about me. Y'all want to know what true nightmares are made out of. I have found out last October, hunting a new river. I had gotten up early that morning and cooked breakfast for my fiancé. My fiancé loves fried eggs in the morning, and I do them exactly like she likes. So we eat, and I get my camel out of the bag as well as my rifle out of the cabinet. We headed out that morning, and I took my fiancé to work. Her work was on the way to New River. When we pull in, I give her a kiss, and she tells me to bring her home something good. I told her I would, and I got back in my jacked-up Chevy 2500. The trip to the mountain was as gorgeous as always, and the Tennessee back roads are amazing and beautiful. 
So I got to my spot, but it was so eerily quiet that morning. Around noon, I decided to go to the truck and grab a sandwich and another bottle of water. So I ate a peanut butter and syrup sandwich my fiancé made me while I was getting ready. She even had time to write me a note and basically said she loved me and was happy that we were together, since it was only one month out from having our little girl, and she was just an amazing old lady. After I got done, I decided to walk to the tree stand again. On my walk back in the woods, I start to have this feeling of dread that something is wrong, that something just isn't right. But I brush it off, thinking maybe it's just nerves, since this is hog country after all. And I've been chased on the road before that I'm walking on. But this just kept getting worse and worse. I started getting deeper down the ridge, closer to my stand, and I hear a twig break, and I stop. Now, me being an experienced hunter, I notice movement in this thicket just about 50 or so yards away. I notice this brown shape moving out towards me. So I crouch down, ready my rifle, and I train my rifle on the color. When I get to noticing that this thing is grunting, so I'm thinking, yes, a big buck. God, was I wrong. The thing slowly walked out closer and closer, and I realized that Wow, this creature is so massive, it's way bigger than a deer on all fours. So I'm thinking, okay, an elk is walking out, cool. But I noticed its head, and the shape is all wrong. It slowly starts walking out, and all of a sudden it stops and stands up. I mean, on two legs, it's easily eight feet tall. But because I'm six six, the thicket is just above my head. And this thing's almost a foot to two feet above it. It starts sniffing the air, and its head snaps right to my direction. I freeze up at that moment, feeling like I'm concreted to the ground. The wolf thing that I was looking at was beginning to let out this real deep, almost demonic-like growl. It starts snarling, showing its teeth towards me. I, being army, trained, realize if it charges, I'm only getting one shot at this thing, so I'd have to make it count. All of a sudden, it begins to tear through the bushes on all fours again. I realize the movie Van Halen's werewolf is charging at me at full speed. I realized I'm in big trouble, and I hear this branch break behind me. I look over my shoulder and see that there is a second larger wolf behind me on two legs. It is easily nine feet tall, built like a bodybuilder with jet black fur. It drops to all fours and starts running full speed towards me. But this one was a lot closer. I spin around and see that this thing is too fast for me to unsafely shoot at with my rifle. I jump out of the way of this monstrous beast charging me. I end up hitting the hard rocks and slid into the red clay mud just to realize it already crossed the roadbed I'd been walking on. And the two wolves are set on a collision course. When a bigger black wolf hits a lighter brown wolf, he tackles the brown wolf to the ground as they are rolling down the hill, clawing and biting and slamming each other into the hard ground. The smaller brown wolf kicks and paws from the bottom when its back claws rip the big black wolf's stomach wide open and throws him off onto the ground. The brown wolf then turns to me. It snarls and starts charging again at full speed. I am awestruck by the power of the wolf and the sheer size of it as it's on its way towards me. But the big black wolf slams the brown one from behind, running its arm through the brown one's side, picking it up, and clamps its massive jaws on a shoulder as it throws the brown one down away from me. It lands and rolls about ten yards and jumps up, running away back through the brush. I let out the breath I didn't even realize I was holding in at that moment. I look at the now bloody and beaten, ripped, open black wolf, which is standing with blood dripping off its back claws and glistening white teeth, dripping with the blood of the brown wolf. And for some reason it registers to me that I have to show that I am no threat to the king of the mountain. I lower the rifle down away from me, and as I do this, this thing smirks at me. Let's out an ear, shattering roar that turns into a howl as it looks into my soul. I see the eyes of a beast, and I can understand that it was there to show it was the Alpha. And as long as I showed him respect, he will not be a threat. 
it turned to drop on all fours and ran away after the other. I instantly take off running, luckily for me, in the army had allowed for me to stay in great shape. I take off of the ridge and make it to the truck. As soon as I get to the door, I realize there's blood all over the side of my truck. I hesitate to look, but I had to know. I flip the rifle safety off, ready to blast anything that jumps up from the bed of the truck. I realize there is a big dead doe laying in the bed of my truck that has had its neck broken. I jump in, start the truck, spin it around, throwing gravel into rooster. I'm tearing ass out of the woods, and I fly all the way down the mountain through the back roads and don't stop until I reach in myrrh. My fiancé can tell I'm shaken up, so she ends up taking me home. I tell her everything, but we decide to tell everyone that I hit the dough with my truck and I got spooked by it, because who would believe me, right? That is, until I got to hearing other people who have seen this massive animal as well. So I thought that this would be the best way for me to get this story off my chest and not get told I'm crazy or lying or making it up. I just wanted to warn every hunter and hiker around that we ain't the top of the food chain or the king of the mountain because the king of the mountain is a truly massive beast who has no predators. Thanks again for helping me get this story off my chest. Now let me tell you about my second encounter. I had the Bigfoot encounter where me and my fiancé had seen that same wolfman. We have been going hunting in New River again. We have seen a family of Bigfoot for three or four years now. They have never been aggressive or anything like that. They show respect and are generally curious creatures. There are four Bigfoot in the area. The big male is jet black and about nine to ten foot tall. He looks like a jacket hair man. The second largest is a female, about eight foot tall, a light brown color with black stripes down her shoulders and back. The two smaller ones are between six and eight foot tall, both lighter brown. There is one male and one female juvenile. The young male is a dark brown with a light brown patch on his chest. The young female is a light golden brown and absolutely gorgeous in color. We usually see them all together as a family unit or the two males going out together. It looks as if they have both been on the deer trails or the gravel and dirt roads too across the area. They are all very curious. They have been known to walk up close, within 50 yards or so, whooping and chirping. Me and my fiancé, we have had a blast seeing them and getting them used to us being in the area. We have built a cabin down in the holler of the ridge. This cabin in the woods is set next to a gorgeous place set between Creek's branches, but in a way that we can get a vehicle to the door. We started first seeing the male, and that was nervous because it isn't too far from where I had seen the two dog men fighting originally. Shortly after, we got to seeing the full family. They'd check out the truck or look in the windows at night to see if we were cooking there. For a while, my fiancé was scared of them, and then she realized that they were just curious. It has been amazing to see the young ones playing around in the creek on hot summer days. The big male lying in the cool mud with the big female laid up in the shade, while the two youngsters play, splashing and rolling in mud, and even throwing mud. Once the young male ran up behind me while I was fixing a tree stand that was sitting in the bed of my Chevy 2500, he scared me with the loud steps running up behind me, then he let out a rather strange whoop, almost as if he said, Boo, as he said. Who? I jumped around, startled, and the young one was standing there laughing like a little fat feller who would be holding his stomach, kind of like a backwoods Satan-style laugh. I laughed at him and said, You little ex. The big male walked up and grunted towards him. He waved and ran away. My fiancé had stepped out on the porch when she had heard the sound and waited to see them some more, since it's been the second time that morning that they'd been around. She'd seen me and the big male standing only ten yards away from each other. He dwarfed me. I've seen her face, and it showed she was nervous, if not scared. It was a bit shocking to see him so up close. That happened close enough to smell his musky aroma. Last weekend, I noticed he got a new open wound on his chest. 
It was four big claws down his burly, leathery chest. We left some fruit that was going bad out for him so he could get to it a bit easier, so he'd heal up because it showed me that he would protect the area. This weekend, we went up again, but didn't hear them or see them anywhere. I was honestly kind of worried that something happened to him and that the family would be in trouble, so I kept looking for them. That Friday night, not seeing them all night long, the next morning, my fiancé and I got up and had breakfast. We went hunting up the ridge just a ways and had a wonderful day together. We always have been side by side. Her love of hunting just made her so much more attractive to me. I honestly am the luckiest man in the world to have her as my partner. Saturday evening, we got back down to the camp, and we noticed something had been through the leaves all around the camp. It gave us a bit of hope that they're all okay. We had then gotten ready for supper, started cooking as the sun was setting. In New River, it gets pitch, black dark in just a few moments. My fiancé had stepped out to the porch to go grab me a bottle of Jack out of the truck, and I heard the door open on the truck. I heard it slam as she came running through the door. And I dropped everything, and I hurried to make sure that she's okay. And she was standing there saying that she thought our big male neighbor was coming up the creek bed towards us. So we decided to turn the camp stove down so we could step outside to watch him approach. So as we are standing there, I light a cigarette and hand it to my fiancé as I light my own. I realized he is walking kind of weird and not sounding good. His normal strong, crisp-sounding grunts are sounding more deep and raspier. I take the bag of fruit out of the back truck, and we walk down closer to the creek bed. We creep back up the creek bank towards camp. As we are, the critter is coming closer to me. Not knowing, I stepped into a hole where one of the young ones had grabbed a clump of mud and thrown it. I hit the ground hard as I was stepping backward and I stood back up quickly, trying not to spook the Bigfoot with my pain groan. My fiancée turned and helped me back to my feet, but as she turned her back from the animal, my heart sank as I saw the deep pitch. Black Wolfman that had won the fight before with the brown wolf. He starts picking up a pace towards us, and in that moment, I jumped to my feet. I told my fiancée to run, that I'd hold it off as long as I could. Its massive body jumps through the creek, still at an incredible speed. So I put myself between the beast and I and my old lady, the love of my life. I couldn't let anything happen to her. So I'm putting myself in front, yelling this primal roar I never knew I had from the deepest place of my soul. The wolfman breaking out of the water on a full sprint towards me as I have gotten his attention. Now... I draw a bowie knife out of this sheath my grandfather had left over from the Vietnam War. At this moment, knowing I'm going to die as he would destroy me, all of a sudden there is a roar from the top of the hill. Standing proud, the young female was roaring and beating her chest as the wolfman stops. So do I to see the new creature trying to enter the fray. My fiancé stops on a dime, and she was staring at me with tears in her eyes. As I realize that she has the hunting rifle from the bed of the truck, the wolf starts to snarl and growl. He realizes he's in trouble, and he bats me away onto my back. My fiancé takes a shot and shoots him. The shot goes into the chest, but it barely grazes him. As my fiancé comes running up to me and having another gun with her, handing it to me, we realize that the young female and young male standing across the creek had started throwing rocks at the wolfman. I start backing up slowly towards my fiancé as the big male Bigfoot and the alpha wolfman hit into this devastating brawl, the wolf clawing and slashing, the big male proudly standing there. He grabbed the wolf by the throat and held him back as the two youngsters are pelting the wolfman with rocks, the male swinging its massive large arms down on the wolf and dropping it to its knees. But as that's going on, the wolf slashes the Bigfoot's legs, dropping him to his knees. The Bigfoot and Wolfman both being dropped to their knees. And as the Bigfoot hits its knees, it lets out a pained bellow. The Wolfman jumps on top of him. Then one of the other Bigfoot swings a downed tree and smashes the Wolfman right in the head as it flips backwards. She swings, breaking the log across its stomach. 
He jumps and runs away, the female making a delicate chirping and clicking as she kneels down to the male, the young ones across the creek to reunite with the two larger family members. My fiancée is running to my side, wrapping me in a hug and holding me, saying that she's so proud of me and is just thankful that I'm okay. And we get to tearing down the mountain, every bump reminding me of my bruised ribs. I thank her for coming back for me, and we get to the main road. She leans over, gives me a kiss, and we get the hell out of Dodge. Ten years ago, on my parents' property near Colton, Oregon, when I came home after school on a Friday, I changed clothes, putting on my logger gear, and went to work in the woods about 3.30 p.m. I had my workload cut out. It was to fall timber until dark. I was finishing up on this old skid trail, falling snags when my saw ran out of gas. I refueled and sharpened the chain when I heard light thumping noises coming my way. I watched, thinking my brothers were coming, when all of a sudden, alone, duh, Dare ran past me. She just missed hitting me, and I thought that was strange. I looked back, could not see the doe at all. Then I heard a commotion from where the doe came from, and all of a sudden, a pure black seven-foot human ape stopped in his tracks. When he saw me and ducked in the brush, trying to go around, I packed my gear and ran home as fast as my feet could run. This looked like Bigfoot for sure. I'm a mail carrier in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Folks here are spread out over long distances, and they still need to get their mail, so every day I take a long drive out through the desert to deliver mail to the residents. In February 2023, I was out by the Valles Caldera National Preserve, and I blew a tire. It was late afternoon. It was going to be dark soon. The desert gets really cold at night, year, around. Even worse, cell phone service is spotty around here. My reception was nil. My only options were to wait for a car to pass and hope they were willing to help. I could also hike up the hill and try to get a signal. Eventually, after I didn't report back, the post office would send somebody out to find me along the highway. But that could literally take hours, and I didn't want to spend the night out here alone. I chose to hike. I could probably make it up and back just before dark. I just hoped that I would get a signal once up top. I was about halfway up the hill when I decided to take a short rest in a water break. I was sitting on a rock and taking a few sips from the bottle when I heard some odd sounds. It was like loud chattering. It reminded me of cicadas that I remembered when living in the eastern United States. It seemed like it was coming from behind a rocky outcropping directly in the path. I didn't see any other route. So I decided to just move slowly and see what it was. As I began to walk, I stepped on a loose rock and lost my footing. I slid down a few feet before catching myself. The chattering stopped and I noticed something move out from behind a boulder. I saw a six-foot-tall, thin insectoid with the head of a grasshopper. It had two large antennas on its head and a pair of large pincers extending from its thorax. There was another smaller pair of pincers beneath that. It moved quickly left and then right and then left again, stopping 20 feet away. It was horrible. I didn't know if running and standing my ground was the best option. But after I took another look at its pincers, I decided on the former. I slowly backed away, mimicking its movements. It stood still as it watched me. Then my cell phone began to ring loudly. The creature's antenna snapped to attention and it quickly ran down the hillside. I instantly ran in the opposite direction, stumbling and falling as I moved. I eventually reached the bottom of the hill near the roadside, not far from my mail truck. I hopped into the truck and stayed put, hoping that the creature would stay away from me. I did catch a glimpse of the creature as it moved around the hill. I stayed put in the truck for several hours, not daring to leave its safety. After what seemed like forever, a car came along and gave me a lift back into town. What the hell did I see? I've heard a lot of stories of strange creatures in the New Mexico desert, 
But this was almost impossible to imagine. Of course, I haven't mentioned this to anyone other than my girlfriend. During the summer of 2017, I found myself cruising through Fort Wayne, Indiana, as dusk began to settle in. It was one of those balmy evenings that make you yearn for adventure, and I decided to take a leisurely drive through the outskirts of town to clear my mind. The sun had already dipped below the horizon. My radio was playing an old crackly blues tune. It was the kind of evening that made you believe in the supernatural, and little did I know just how right that feeling would turn out to be. As I rounded a bend in the road, a strange unease washed over me. I couldn't help but feel that something was about to happen. And then, it did. Out of the darkness of the woods, a figure emerged, running on all fours with an eerie, inhuman grace. It was massive, its silhouette reminiscent of some monstrous creature. The creature sprinted towards the road, coming closer with each passing second. My heart raced as I slammed on the brakes. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was something sinister. The figure vaulted over the car in front of me, moving with a speed and agility that defied reason. I watched in shock as it landed on the other side, its form bathed in the glow of my headlights. And then, just as swiftly as it had appeared, the creature dashed back into the woods on the other side of the road, disappearing into the night. I was left sitting there trembling and bewildered, trying to process what I had just witnessed. It was the dogman, or so the locals called it. I had heard stories of this being, but I never truly believed in it until that moment. With a trembling hand, I finally put the car back into gear and continued my journey through Fort Wayne. So I wanted to share my story. I'm not 100% sure it was a crawler because it wasn't tall, but everything else matches up. I would also like to apologize for bad writing. This all happened in Lithuania. In 2016, a female 14 was laying in the same bed as my younger brother and mom in her room because of the cold. Both of them had went to sleep while I stayed up, reading. The only light sources were my bedside lamp and a crystal rock lamp in an empty brother's room across from us for ambient. Having read enough, I closed my book and turned off my light, laying down on my side, facing the other room. And there I saw it, a pale, hairless, humanoid, bony creature, kind of looking like the one goblin from Lord of Rings or the Rake, except it was a medium dog-sized. It was hunched over and had sharp claws and toes, as well as sharp teeth. Its eyes were bright, orange, red. The creature was moving inside the room across the doorway, on two legs illuminated by the light. I got very scared and got up on my elbows, turned to look at my sleeping mom and whispered called her, yet she didn't react. Suddenly, from my moves, the bed loudly creaked and I snapped my head back at the creature locking eyes with it, both of us unmoving. I blinked and looked at my mom again, calling for her, and when I faced the room again, the creature was gone. Yet the image of his sharp, bright eyes stayed in my mind. Moving forward a year later, I was watching a movie with my brother in mom's bedroom, and we heard a crash in his room's walk, enclosed. I decided to investigate what could fall in. As I was walking to the closet, I saw a flash of white move quickly across it, the last thing being a white bony leg disappearing into a dark corner. When I moved closer, I didn't find anything, and nothing was out of place there. Years later, I'm still wondering what it was, and have had a few nightmares about it. In 1977, I was between marriages working for the United States General Service Administration as a security officer in the San Francisco Bay Area and driving home from the California Gold Country in Sonora with my girlfriend. It was early October, around dusk, and the skies were clear. 
The sun had dropped behind the Wildcat Range as we drove east on SR-108-120, and the stars were coming up. We saw one brilliant star shining above the ridge, and I assumed it was a planet until it suddenly moved to the north several degrees. We looked at each other, and the word plane popped into our heads. It then moved quickly to the south and seemed to shimmer. There's no way for me to determine how far it was or how large it was. To me, it was still a brilliant object. We pulled over to the side of the road and watched the object shift north and south and upward with incredible speed. Two cars also stopped and parked behind us, and those occupants stared at the light. When the light show couldn't get bigger, the star split into five other objects. They were less brilliant, but still outshined the stars that were coming out. In less than a minute, all five objects sped away upward and to the south. One left some sort of trail. The group of strangers suddenly burst into applause, as I did. When I arrived in the next city, Oakdale, California, about half an hour or so later, I made a pay phone call to the sheriff's department and reported my sighting. The woman who took my call said, you and everybody else tonight. My girlfriend and I continued home and forgot about the incident. Until about a week later at my work site, my supervisor came up to me and said two federal agents of some sort were in the office and wanted to talk to me. I figured it might concern one of my criminal cousins at the time, so I was unprepared for their credentials department of the Air Force Office of Special Investigation, an organization I'd never heard of, and their request that I brief them on my sighting. I pretty much gave them the same report I gave to the Stanislaus County Sheriff's Department. One agent kept nodding and looking at papers taken from a briefcase. I was then told you were incredibly fortunate to see an amazing phenomenon of light, reflection, and weather. This is very rare. I remember those exact words because they seemed so ridiculous. I replied, No, sir. I flunked meteorology in college, but I learned enough to know that's not what I saw. Light does not refract like that. His partner, and yes, they had dark suits, said something to the effect that what I saw was a natural occurrence, and that was the end of it. I remember saying, fine, so why are you guys here? I was told I was not to mention the event to anyone ever again. By this time, I was pissed. This was still America, and I had the right to talk about the weather if I wanted to, which is probably what I said. The first agent gave me a smile and said, Would you like to see the weather in Butte, Montana? A transfer can be arranged. At this point, I should explain that Butte, Montana was, is the dumping ground for federal agents, officers, security people, etc., who have screwed up very badly but couldn't be fired. Some considered it worse than Juneau, Alaska. I remember saying, Oh, now I get it. You just had to explain it to me. Sure, and I walked out. Any advancement in the Gassade disappeared that day, but my life turned out well without it. Now, as I slip into my 62nd year and poor health, I wanted to get my story out. Not very exciting. No aliens. No ships. But a moment in my life I have yet to forget. My story happened at Folcroft, Pennsylvania, right outside southwest Philadelphia, and you see a lot of freaky things where I'm from, but nothing made me act in a way that I did that night because I was not by myself. I had my cousin with me who was probably seven years old, and the danger alarm went off full force. There's a small wooded area nearby, and it connects to a water treatment plant that is connected to a nature reserve. If you look on Google Earth, you can see the woods connect and go all the way out to United State 1. I guess it's possible something could live there. There are plenty of deer. Well, we park and walk into the woods, and I got the feeling kids were down there probably underage drinking, just like we all did back in the day. Then I heard what sounded like a group of people talking, and I got down on one knee. Thirty feet into the woods on top of this hill that drops off, I can't really make it out, so I reach down and pick up a pebble. This will get a reaction, and I'll find out if it's people or not. So I wind up and heave it in the direction of the voices. Way down to the right of us, 
I hear a smack through layers of leaves and rocks hitting. Then ten feet in front of us, to my left, I hear this growl and breathing. It sounded like a human with water in its lungs, huffing and puffing right there. It vibrated in my chest. It was furious at me, whatever it was. I felt like I stuck my finger in an electrical outlet. Every hair on the back of my neck and my arms were standing on end. I calmly stood up, grabbed my cousin's hand, and said out loud, Okay, we're leaving right now. We turned 180 and walked briskly out of the woods. I never saw what this was. I remember as a kid that same feeling at the zoo when lions would pop off and flex roar. This incident still gives me goosebumps. Have I gone back down there since? No.